Well, we made it. I don't know about you. I don't know about you as an individual. But there is always something special about this week after Christmas. The feeling that it's over. The year has ended, and collectively, whether we like it or not, um, we all join in the chant as the world counts down. Three, two, one. Midnight. Although you guys probably aren't awake then. But seven billion of us... Let out this giant sigh. It's New Year's Eve. But that's all we get after this countdown of 365 days. Days of toil and work, of struggle, of builds, of COVID. We get this one sigh of relief. And then we hit the ground running. Back to the race. On to another lap. Time doesn't stop. It's already January. So we have to start planning. Some of us who are more prepared have already done the planning. Some of us, like myself, should start planning at some point. Um, but this, regardless of where you, are at, where you are at, this is the best time to do it. We have just finished waving off the year, and now we can look ahead. 2022. What does it have in store for me? How can I approach this year differently? Well, that's how the world asks this question. But if you're a Christian your question might be slightly different. An example, how can I approach this new year differently for God? A great question. But when it comes to the answer, I feel we fall into the trap of prioritizing. For someone who has the new year about them getting into shape, they prioritize health. They prioritize the gym. They ensure that the gym is a part of their week and they balance it with work and family life. For Christians, we may look at serving God this way. We may look at, at serving God in 2022 by trying to balance God with our work, with our family lives, with whatever it is we're doing this year. While that is a good appro- approach, I feel it might not be the godly one. In today's passage, I think we meet a God who isn't concerned about priority, but more so about centrality. A God who doesn't just want to be a part of our new year, but at the center of it. So let's pray, and let's get into God's word and see what he says. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you that you've given us your word to be shaped by it and molded by it. Lord, give me the words to speak and help me speak clearly and work in all our hearts to understand you better. Amen. So it's the second day in the year, and you've come to church eager to find words to spare you on. And we get to today's passage, and we get to see what God has in store for the Israelites for their first year. And what is it that God wants on this New Year's Day? Well, he wants a tabernacle. If your Bible has a heading, it probably says something like setting up the tabernacle. And we read in the first verse, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Month. God immediately ties the New Year's Day with a tabernacle. So it begs the question, why tabernacle? What is the importance of tabernacle? Why is it so central? And I suspect the answer would lie in understanding the tabernacle. And to do that, we shall quickly look at the what and the why. So first of all, what is the tabernacle? Well, we've already heard that the tabernacle was a tent. In Greek, the word translates directly to tent. And this physical tent was to be placed in the center of Israel's camp, 
Wherever Israel stopped, the tent would be set up in the heart of their community. So we have the what, it's a tent, but the question now is why. Why is it needed? And in Hebrew, the, the word tabernacle means to dwell or dwell in place. And now we get a bit of insight into what it is God wants for the Israelites on this New Year's Day. God wants what he had always wanted, to dwell with his people in this new year. But we know that it can't be that simple. For we and the Israelite people know the Genesis story. And we know that our relationship with God is corrupted by sin. Uh, we know that we gave, we gave in to the fall. We gave in to temptation. And since then, we've been separated from God. We've been separated from his presence. And ever since the relationship has been strained, ever since then, that relationship has been strained. Sin continues to leave its mark on the world. But we also know that God made a promise that he would not stay distant, that he would rectify our wrongs, and he will personally deal with sin. And we know that he makes his promise to Abraham, and so did the Israelites. And it's true, Abraham's nation, that God would bless the, that the world would be blessed through them. And we know that God has been with the Israelites since he redeemed them out of Egypt. For they, and now here we are. He is no longer distant. They see him in a cloud by day and a fire by night. But he is yet to dwell with his people. So it gets to the tabernacle. This is how God will both deal with sin and dwell with his people. God's New Year's resolution for the Israelites is to make them a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And to accomplish that, he asked them to build a tabernacle, a tent in the middle of his people where he can deal with their sin and in turn dwell with his people. And that is the point of the tabernacle. It is a place where God will dwell and deal with his people's sin. So let us look at this first tabernacle. Let us look at how it went down for the Israelites. In the first section of the passage, we, re- we read a design from God, for God, and ultimately a design with a good purpose. When first reading through it, you can see that, the desi- that God's design for this tabernacle is very detailed and systematic. Step by step, everything is ordered and has its purpose. And if you're like me, you might have gone, okay, God is very detailed. But after a couple more readings and some fresh eyes, you might see an obvious detail, a pattern. And I believe this pattern is the blueprint anyone can use in a new year. Read with me. Set up the tabernacle, tent of meeting. On the first day of the first month, place the ark of the covenant law in it. The first thing to highlight is the first thing placed. The tabernacle was to be at the center of the lives, and the first thing placed in the tabernacle is the ark. Now, the ark of the covenant law was this grand, elaborate chest, and inside of this chest was the words of God. It was the very chest, it was this very chest that the presence of God or the glory of God would dwell on. And where you find the words of God, you will find his glory dwelling. So here we have Moses building the tabernacle. He's done the framework. He has centered the tabernacle around the, inside the Israelites' um, community. And now it is time for the interior design. And the first piece we hear is the ark. I'm a fan of interior design, as in I'm a fr- fan of when professionals do it. I can't design anything. When Ellen and I moved into our new apartment, I had set up our living room with the couch and the TV. And two days later, Ellen says to switch them immediately. Um, so I do it. Um, but it's an easy fix, just a switch. I just have to switch the couch and the TV. But could you imagine 
if I had to switch the coffee tables, I had to move the bookshelf, I had to move the fridge and align the kitchen to match the seating plan? No, because there is no piece of furniture that important. Well, at least at my house. But we aren't reading about a piece of furniture. We are reading about the Ark of the Covenant. And God says to place it first. And it is from this Ark, from these words on the tablet, that everything else is to be ordered. It wasn't that Moses put it down and then set everything up and then started moving the Ark around. No, the Ark was to be placed first and everything was to go around the Ark. God's words placed first. Um, And it was from God's words that Moses was to line everything up, was to order everything. From God's words, everything receives its purpose. And this is the pattern that is to set up the relationship between man and God for this new year. From God's very own words, everything is to be placed. Everything finds its purpose. And if you continue reading, we get to see everything being placed. Verse 3. Place the Ark of the Covenant Law in it and shield the Ark with the cat curtain also known as the veil, which separated the holy place from the holy of holies. From the ark, we get the curtain, which symbolizes the separation between man and God. For once we understand who God is through his word, through his law, we cannot be in his presence, for we are sinful. We understand the depth there. Verse 4, bring in the table and set up what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand, set up the lamps, and place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant law and put the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. The incense was to be burned twice a day, every day, as an offering to the Lord. And this can only be placed after God's word was placed. For once the Israelites understood who God was through his word, they could not help but glorify him daily. Verse 6, place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Here it is, the place where God would deal with sin. The altar in which the Israelites, Israelite people would sacrifice one of their own animals as an atonement for their sin. The blood of something they've raised for years, given up so that God's wrath would be met. For once they understood who God was through his word, through his law, they understood their own unrighteousness. Then, next to that, place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. The basin of water would be used to purify and clean the priests before and after they entered the tent. For although they had been made right with God through a sacrifice, they were still unclean, stained by sin. For once they understood who God was through his word, through his law, they knew that the blood of an animal could not completely deal away with their iniquity. From the center, from God's ark, his words... Israel understood themselves more. We understand ourselves more, and we understand the gap between God and us. God has given this design for a purpose. The tabernacle was to be at the center of his people, and through it, God would dwell with his people. So what is the response? How does Moses kick off the start of a new year? Well, in verses 17 to 33, Moses completes the very details that God asks of him. The verses are a mirror of the first section. The only difference is Moses is doing instead of God is speaking. And the result is found in verse 34. Then the, Lord, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. As it was in the days of creation, the Lord spoke. It happened, and he saw that it was good. 
On, new, on this New Year's Day, the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses carried out the work, and the Lord saw that it was good, and he dwelt with his people. So good, in fact, that Moses couldn't even enter the tent because God's presence had filled the entire room. Gone are the days of God appearing in a dream or a distant voice. Today, God dwells among his people again. This New Year's Day is vastly different to the Israelites. Um, once Israel literally placed God in the center of their lives, they were blessed. And from them, the neighboring nations would be blessed. Once Israel focused on glorifying God at the center of their lives, other nations who looked at Israel, looked into Israel and saw the God of all, the God of Israel. From here, the Israelites were the, went only where God went. Everything they did revolved around God. In verse 36, in all the travels of the Israelites, wherever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. They did nothing without God's, without God's word leaving. Imagine if this year was the year you, where, you, where your neighbors got to look into your life and got to glorify God. If this year that one workmate who always ignored your invite says yes because they have looked into you and seen something different. If that one family member who has always been distant has started asking questions because they have seen that what is at the center of your life is different from what is at the center of everyone else's. This was the hope of Israel. This is what God had planned for Israel. But the title on the page says the first tabernacle, not the only tabernacle, meaning there is more to come. If you were to continue reading through the Old Testament, the, the tabernacle takes many different forms. But one thing remains, the impact of sin. The design from God for God to be at the center of his people does not achieve the good outcome. Because even though God was on the outside, even though he came in and dwelt at the center, he would always be replaced by man. Sin kept pushing God out of the center and putting us in the center. So it begged a question, Will he come back? Will God ever dwell in the center of his people? Israel had this exciting new start. This new year, they had this relationship with God set, and it was all gone. And will it ever be the same? It reminds me of the new gym drive that everyone gets. They go strong in January and February. The gyms are full. And then comes Easter break and chocolate. And then, and then after that is winter, and it's too cold to carry on. And then by then, everyone's gone. We'll wait till next year. Well, that's what happens with me anyway. Except for Israel, it wasn't just a wait till next year moment. They waited for hundreds of years until a book called John, where we find a new beginning, a fresh start. In chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later down in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us or made his tabernacle among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Where you find the words of God, you will find God's glory dwelling. And in the New Testament, we find God's glory dwelling amongst people. So if Jesus Christ is to be believed as the better tabernacle, or the new tabernacle, then we are to run a litmus test. We're to run the pattern Moses used in the first tabernacle on Jesus. Starting with the center. The Israelites placed this, the ark in the center. And based on what George says, 
Our new ark is Jesus himself. So we start from Jesus in the center. He is the word of God, as the ark was the word of the Lord. Um, And then we move out, and the first thing we get is the curtain, or the veil, that separated man from the presence of God. And Colossians 1 is an amazing passage that talks about the sun, uh, that talks about how the sun is the image of the invisible God. So Christ has done away with the curtain because he himself was God in flesh. But not only did the glory of God walk with people, he also had you in mind when he died on the cross, where he exchanged your sinful presence with that of his, which was the fullness of God. And it says, he, it says, he as in God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, true death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Christ himself unites that which was separated through sin. And moving out from the curtain, we get the incense which is burnt to glorify God twice a day. We can glorify God in a magnitude of ways, but prayer is an excellent way to do it. And some people believe that the incense burnt represented prayer. As the smoke would rise up in the building, so too do our words rise up to the Lord. And if we carry on with that idea, then in Luke 11, Jesus gives us a new prayer that completely does away with the idea of a distant God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have direct access to the Father. We have no wait time. Jesus has accomplished this because now we share the identity of the Son. We are children of the same Father, much like any child, and much like any child, we can see the Father whenever. So... The next item of checklist is the author of the burnt offering, which I could spend 40 minutes talking about, talking about how Christ fulfills atonement with a hundred verses. But Hebrews 10 does a better job than I ever could. And it reads in verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for all sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, which was himself, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I need not say more, except that this passage also does away with the need of a water basin. Christ has made perfect those who are being made holy. We are clean. We no longer have to wash our hands and feet before we enter the tabernacle. No longer needing to be made right with God. Christ fulfills and repurposes all these elements to himself. He is the better tabernacle. He is what we are to reach for when we think tabernacle. He meets the good purpose and design that was always planned. And through Christ, we not only have God in the center, but we have our sins met. Um, We have God dwelling with us, and we have God glorified. And this is true because even though our physical tabernacle, Jesus himself, has been gone for 2,000 years, we are still tabernacling with God today. The remainder of Hebrews 10 reads, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And where you find God's words, you will find God's glory dwelling. Christ has established a tabernacle that has stayed 2,022 years on. It is in the form of me, it is in the form of you, of this church, of anyone who has accepted the gospel. 
And today we find ourselves a few thousand years and one day on from the first tabernacle. On this New Year's Day, or second of New Year's, and we are to use that blueprint given to Moses. And if we are to do that, then the tabernacle should be the center of our lives. So what will our 2022 tabernacle look like? Will we use the blueprint blueprint given to the first tabernacle? The Ark of the Covenant was to be placed in the center of the tabernacle, and out from that came all the necessary pieces. And surrounding the tabernacle was God's holy people, and surrounding them was the Gentile world. Will we do this with our new tabernacle, who is Christ? Is it from him that we work from the center outward? When you go home and do some planning, don't prioritize how you could live for God like you would work or study. Because when you do that, you prioritize out of what you view as important. And I can safely say we all get it wrong. So instead, go home and centralize God instead of prioritizing. Because once you do that, the question goes from when am I next available to serve the Lord to how can I serve the Lord in the very thing I'm doing now? Do you see the difference? Instead of going, I've got growth group or Sunday to glorify God, and I'll try to make free time whenever, we go, okay, I'm currently busy with this, with work, but how can I glorify God with this right now, instead of waiting for Sunday or waiting for growth group? The more you centralize God in your life, the more you look to glorify God, and you should be ready. You should be ready for change, change in perspective, in desire, in action. Here are a couple of examples. If 2022 is the year you want to get on top of a sin, then centralize the one who frees you from it. The more you have Christ in the center, his word, his law, the quicker you will identify sin. Christ is the light that will shine on your darkness. And in turn, you will repent. And the more, the, yep, and the more you have Christ in the center, the more you will remorse. The more you will feel, the more remorse you will feel when you sin. The more you will f- and the more you will also feel his grace and his forgiveness. And if you have sinned against someone, having Christ in the center allows you to not only rectify that with Christ himself, but with that, with him, with those who you have sinned against. The more you have Christ in the center, the more you look out for brothers and sisters who are struggling in sin. And the more you will pray with them, the more you will struggle with them, the more you will strive with them and rejoice with them. The more you have Christ in the center, the more you will glorify him. And praise him when you see progress in that sin this year. If 2022 is the year you want to give more to church, whether in service or in finance, then centralize Jesus in your life. The more you have Jesus in the center, the more you see the purpose of church, and the more you will see the need. The more you have Jesus in the center, the more you will go from consuming to contributing. The more you will think about how you can serve rather than how you can be served. The more you have him in the center, the more you realize that church is about, the in, is about the whole, not the individual. The more you will see serving as a joy rather than a sacrifice. And the more you will want others to join in, to get a taste. You will not, you will not only look out for your gifts and how you can serve, but others' gifts and how they can serve. And the more you will want to do church in 2022 together. And if you aren't sure about what you want to do yet, if you aren't sure about where you want to grow... And just make 2022 the year you centralize Jesus Christ. The more you have Jesus in the center of your life, the more you will see him in everything you do. The more you will want to read his word, to pray to him, to glorify him, and to serve his kingdom. 
The more you centralize Jesus, the more your desires change. The more your will becomes his will. The more you have him in the center, the more you will view things from his perspective. You will view relationships differently. You will view work and study differently. You will view suffering differently. You will view yourself differently. and You will view this year differently. As you plan this year, don't prioritize anything. Centralize one thing. Centralize the one who created you, the one who saved you, the one who loves you, and let him be the one who works out from you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a God of design and creation. We thank you that you have designed for yourself to be at the center. Lord, and we thank you that um, in this design, you have designed for your son, Jesus Christ, to be the one who works from the inside out. So we pray that as your people, we would do that. We would centralize your son, and out of him, we will do good work for you this year. Pray this in my dear holy name. Amen.